That's AJ's mom. Wow, I'm telling you, quarterbacks, you get all the good-looking <laughs> women. Ah, it's a what a beautiful woman. Wow, he's AJ's doing. Whoa. Some- Welcome to the Pipeline Award-winning podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Gibbs. You can find me on Twitter at Pipeline underscore. You can find me coming through your speakers right now. Happy New Year's to everyone. I hope everyone had a great New Year's, Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Solstice, whatever you celebrate, whatever you're into. Festivus. (laughs) Festivus. How can I forget Festivus? And a little sneak preview. This is my partner in crime. You know him well. KSD at Pregame Empire. Make sure you follow him on Twitter if you're not already, you weirdo. KSD, do you have a great New Year's? I, I did, and I want to talk about something that happened uh, yesterday new, on, on New Year's Eve. Today is today is January 1st, the first day of 2023, and yesterday we had, uh, we had a little bit of a surprise. We had a team coming in ranked number two in the country, undefeated, on a big stage that suffered their first loss. And, of course, I'm talking about uh, the UConn Huskies losing uh, the, the road game at Xavier, one of their, I believe, third conference game. I don't know. Early, still early, early conference. Dan Hurley's boys suffered their first loss. Really just want to mention it. There's only two undefeated teams left in college basketball now, just Purdue and New Mexico. Yes, uh, New Mexico coached by that Richard Patino. Um, but, of course, you know the, 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 number two, the undefeated number two that everybody – you know, was was more concerned about yesterday is the Michigan the Michigan Wolverines. Now I want to talk about them too for a second because this week Michigan lost a basketball game to Central Michigan. Uh, Jason, dude, is is it, is it good to lose to Max schools in basketball? <laughs> I'm going to go out on a, a pretty thick limb and say no. <laughs> yeah, no. So I, I'm not going to take this time to comment on the priorities of, of one uh, fellow podcaster, Hunter Dickinson of the Michigan Wolverines. I'm not going to comment on things he said that have not exactly turned out. I'm just going to mention that today, Sunday, January 1st, Michigan turns around that home loss to Central Michigan with a 40-point smackdown against Maryland. Now, um, again, the Going back to the idea of is it, is it good to, uh, to to lose to MAC teams? It's also not good to 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 lose by forty to a team who just lost to a MAC team. Now, one quick other Big Ten basketball game. This is a game in progress: Ohio State and Northwestern. Um, so this relates to the Michigan Maryland game because in Michigan Maryland, Michigan got up to a thirty-three to seven lead in the first half. Now, Ohio State, what do they have in common with Michigan? They lost in the playoff yesterday. Also playing basketball today, they jumped out to a 29-8 to lead against Northwestern. They're up by 20 right now. They're going to crush them. Interesting, weird happenings in, in Big Ten basketball this, this week. Um, you know, obviously conference plays starting in earnest. It's, it's January. It's time to really, you know, lock in. But the Big Ten's uh, kind of in a weird spot right now. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't say just in basketball. They might be in a weird spot in football. But we will <laughs> get to that. Let's turn back the clock a little bit. Let's go back a little bit throughout the week because there are so many bowls throughout the week and every day there's crazy something crazy happening somewhere. And, you know, as holidays, I'm sure people's are kind of sporadic. Their schedules are different. Maybe they have some days off. But let's, why don't we go back and, and just talk about some of the, because this is what we always do. If you're new to the pod, please subs- consider subscribing this pod where you're not going to get the X's and O's, the breakdowns and the, and the Jimmy's and the judge, you're going to get the fun, the wild, the weird, the wacky of college football, college basketball. That's what we're going to bring you. That is our promise to you. Let's turn back to 
the, of course, San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. And we've talked about this in our past award-winning podcast that pretty sure most of these bowl sponsors are simply money laundering services. And this has to be one of them because I can't believe San Diego Credit County Credit Union would have enough funds to host a bowl game, but I digress. But we had the number 15 Oregon Ducks taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels. Pretty, pretty fun matchup is, I mean, I know Oregon was favored, I think by 13 and a half, 14 points, somewhere around there, but you had your guy, your boy, Bo Nix. He's having fun out there. Of course, Drake may now, Heaven help you if you're a UNC fan this year, because this bowl game was the absolute epitome of their season. They get out to a lead. They have some conservative play calling. They don't put the game away. The other team kind of storms back and and wins in the last second. And this was, (laughs) I mean, this isn't fun. Again, this isn't funny if you're UNC fan. So if you are just close your ears for a second, but KSD, when Oregon, first of all, if you've watched any amount of college football this year, you you could have bet your life that Oregon was going to come back and and win the game. They're down six. I'll set up the stage. They're down six late in the game. You could just feel a a game-winning touchdown coming. Bo Nix drives them down the field, scores a touchdown. Okay, they're going to, you know, it's going to, final scores going to be 28-27. However, the extra point is clanked off the upright but then it bounces in i mean just an absolute epitome of the unc season i think i thought i thought the extra point missed live like when it went because as soon as it was kicked you could see it was going wide and i thought the way it hit the upright it bounced straight back into the end zone and not through it obviously bounced through but yeah um this game also was part of the theme of the week which is don't play college football and baseball stadiums because the fields are not meant for this in December. <laughs> Who um, knew? Yeah, shocking, shocking development. I know uh, this game was played at Petco Park, home of the San Diego Padres, which if you can't play, if the turf is going to be that bad in San Diego in December where it is literally never cold, then, like, I can't imagine why it would be good anywhere else. I mean, we've already seen the, the Fenway Bowl, the turf was fine, wasn't great. The the pinstripe bowl, the turf was bad. But the uh, the the holiday bowl had the worst of them all, of, of it all. And really, it kind of looked like both in the way it was kind of pieced together, but also the way it was falling apart. Like when you look at a like look at a kaleidoscope and kind of just see kind of all the little weird pieces together. That's kind of what the turf looked like <laughs> in this game. Yeah, you know, uh, when I was in back when I was in high school, I used to mow grass, you know, on the side in the summer for some extra cash or whatever. This field kind of reminded me of when, if, if you, you know, and I had like a little push mower and I just mow some like small yards in, in my family's neighborhood or whatever, but you can raise and lower the, the, the deck of the, the mower. And if you put it too low, it goes into the grass and kind of digs it up and, you know, like it just digs yeah. up chunks of grass. This is what that feel reminded me of. If I did that and then I just tried to put it back down so that nobody noticed, you know? Yeah. Like it, I mean, it's remarkable because, you know, baseball, baseball stadiums have pristine fields. I mean, like this is no, you know, surprise or shock. And yes, I get that. Like, you know, in all these baseball stadium games, they put turf over the dirt, you know, they're not doing the old, you know, Miami Dolphins thing where you know, they're playing with the infield and, you know, still mm-hmm. in the stadium. So it's a little different, but like, 
you have the best grounds crews in the world at these stadiums. <laughs> like the the thirty the thirty best dudes with turf in the world are like you know t- teams with turf are, are working these stadiums and they can't figure it out. I don't know. Like that's that seems ridiculous to me. But yeah, that I mean that one's definitely a contender for like you know game of the bowl season non non playoff division. Yeah, you know, like that was. That was a, that was a great one. That was you know definitely one of the one of the ones to watch. Um, Wednesday also gave us another one of those uh, contenders, and that was the Kansas Arkansas affair. Um, this game was this game was stupid before it even started because we have all the water issues in Memphis. There's literally no bathrooms in the stadiums. There's like no hotels with water, so like that's all you know good and great. There was like a Arkansas. fleet of porta potties in you know, yeah. the stadium. <laughs> yeah. And then Arkansas goes up by like 20 something and blows the lead. But um, <laughs> we, we, we all, we all know who the star of the show is. If you, if you watch this game, you know who the star of the show is. Um, and this is the, the Arkansas fan just perfectly placed at the Liberty bowl, which also shout out the Liberty bowl for just being old and having majestic camera angles for stuff like this, <laughs> because in the first first of three overtimes, on fourth and goal, Jalen Daniels for Kansas scrambling to his right, throws in the corner of the end zone. Dude, dude's wide open, by the way, so he not really didn't really miss anything here. But Arkansas, funny. I don't what like what is this hat thing? It's like it's some sort of hog. Yeah, I think it's it almost looked like a onesie, right? I think someone described yeah. it as a a, a hog onesie. It just yeah. <laughs> And also, like, it, it is one of the greatest surrender cobras, too. Like, I mean, it's, I guess it's not, I'm, I'm watching the replay. It's not really a true surrender cobra, but it's kind of surrender cobra adjacent, you know, where he, like, kind of claps his hands together above his head <laughs> as he's completely blocking the entire country from seeing this play. Um, this is, this is just a, a majestic cameo uh, of, of every sense of the word. It is literally perfect. Um, like, th- this is a kind of play where if, if you, you know, there's a lot of things that qualify for this, but like if you told me I had a five second clip to just like describe college football to somebody, this is a, this is a clip that I would consider. It's true, and you know, the, obviously he got the most press with the uh, the Arkansas the hog onesie, but this actually yeah. happened throughout the game. I kept seeing. People, I, mean, <laughs> I think the camera angles were fine if everyone in the stadium was four foot two and below, but if they weren't, someone's going to stand up. It was. It was terrible camera angles, like you said. I guess it was, I don't know, they're from yeah. 1945 or something. Well, so, but then, so on, on, I was gonna say, on, on this play, kind of going back to the idea of this being like the perfect descriptor of college football type play. So let me just let me just break this down a little more in depth. In this play, you have two teams who are number uh, six and six, right? Yeah. So two two teams who are just the, the epitome of mediocre, right? No, <laughs> you know this is not like some national championship game. This is nowhere close. Completely meaningless game. You have a thirty-eight thirty-eight overtime. So you know, the, you know just by looking at the score, there's been a little bit of weirdness to get to where we are. You have a completely busted play. I mean, like you know, J- I mean, Jalen Daniels steps up in the pocket, moves to his right, makes a good play, but it's. You know, this is this is it's off script, right? This is not what the you know what the play in the huddle was. The the result is not what you know they drew up in in the huddle. You have a receiver who is absolutely wide open. You have an end zone that is just there's just a lot going on with the end zone paint, and then you have Arkansas dudes show up to just block everything. <laughs> and you also have the crowd going crazy again. Like I said, this game means absolutely nothing. So um, 
you factor all those things together. This is this is a true epitome of what the sport is. And then, so if for those that, that didn't watch or didn't see the highlights, uh, it was the last play was unbelievable because at this point we're in the third overtime where all it is is two point conversions, just teams trading two point conversion attempts, and whoever gets one and stops the other, or you know stops them and, and whatever, they're going to win the game. So Arkansas's already converted their two-point conversion attempt. Now Kansas is going for theirs to try and potentially tie the game and send it to the fourth overtime. They do a trick play, of course. You know, you're two <laughs> yards away. What better time to bring out a crazy trick play except for one small problem, KSD, and they brought in backup quarterback Jason Bean. They run essentially like a Philly special except for their quarterbacks throwing the ball. There is a Tight end, wide open. I mean, maybe no one within 20 yards of him. Bean doesn't even look his way, and he literally throws the ball away. It it seemed like he threw the ball away because he was about to get sacked. We, the only problem gotta, is that was their only attempt, so the game was over. We got to have a conversation about the Philly special here because, <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, it, it's first of all, it's not like the Eagles made this up. This, you know, this, this is some variation of this play has been pretty much a staple in football, you know, for the last 20 years, right? You know, like mm-hmm. some variation of the, you know, you maybe you snap it to the quarterback who hands it off, you know, for a reverse and you throw it back to the quarterback, or, you know, you motion, you know, the quarterback walks up to the line like he's calling out some play, you know, you snap it to the running back who hands it off, you know, like to somebody who throws the quarterback. Like, like you know, there's there's variations of it, but some, you know, that the core, that core principle of, you know, running more or less a reverse that throws back to the quarterback has been a staple in football, right? So obviously the Philly special happens and now it has like this official name. This is what, you know, this is what everybody knows it as, you know, all this. First, I, I don't know what's going on right now, but like everybody is running this all at once. And we've, spoiler alert, when you run something over and over again, people figure out how to stop it. Like, <laughs> like, there's so many of these that just look terrible. Like Michigan yesterday in the playoff yeah, ran one of these on ran one of these on fourth down and lost like 12 yards. Like and it, and it was it was the, the same the same concept. You know we have we have the, the Kansas one you just mentioned mentioned like and I think it, it, like what, can we not find another trick play? Like can somebody like <laughs> there's so many different ways you can run a trick play that's like similar enough to what that is. We got we got to mix it up here like here fellas because um. Everybody's figured out how, how to stop the Philly specials. Like, huh, you know, the quarterback handed it off, and now there's a reverse. Oh, just have one linebacker stay home. And look at that. He's got the quarterback covered, and now the wide receiver who has never thrown a ball in his career has no idea what to do. Like, like it, it, I don't I don't know why this is a, a thing we insist on continuing to do over and over again when it's clearly not working. Here's the funny thing. When did the Philly special happen? Like 10 years ago? I mean, it's got to be like it was, a while ago. It was, it, it was, was not less, within I mean, the last like, few like, years. Yeah, like six, eight years ago, something like that. Now, so we're just I, now getting around to everyone running it. Yeah. But one note about this is, I know we're college football and basketball, but one funny note about this, and people forget this because they remember the Philly special and it going to the Eagles, and then the Eagles, of course, beat the Patriots. But the Patriots ran the exact same play yeah. earlier in the game. In that game. In that they game. threw it yeah. to Brady. Brady dropped it, and, and they didn't get it. But then when they did run the Philly special, I remember Chris Collinsworth acted like he had never seen the play. It was like, 
Dude, they ran it like <laughs> five minutes ago on the other side well, of the field. <laughs> well, yeah, again, there like there's just no there's just no creativity like in football anymore, I guess, because like how how are we not come up with something with something different? Everybody's running the same play. We figure out how to stop it. We need we need we need a new one. Um let's 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 move to Thursday though, because obviously there was games Thursday as well. Um of note the uh the cheese it bowl featuring the the cheese it suite you know where some players were spending the night there for some for some nil dollars featuring our our beloved prince chedward the uh the the cheese it mascot king who did uh did try to enter the sooner schooner he did he i don't think he didn't appear to fit but he tried to like crawl in the back of the thing uh, i don't really know what was going on there um but we do need to talk about um Talk about a development that happened off the field during the uh, the, the week at the, the Cheez-It Bowl. Um, so you know, there's obviously with you know, with any bowl game, and, and Cheez-It has done really really well um, with this. Really, one of the best sponsors. Which you know, sort of just you know, not taking themselves too seriously with the bowl game. You know, like they do that they do the Cheez-It bath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know with the coaches instead of Gatorade, you know, like all, all that kind of stuff. Like, the, you know, they, they, they know, they know what the people are, are, are here for. So we need to talk about Carter Carroll's uh, Florida state beat writer who made an important discovery for, uh, for the nation here this week during, during the events leading up to the cheese it bowl when, in which Florida state was participating. Um, our guy Carter here, was told by a cheese it bowl executive that the plural of cheese it is not cheese it's <laughs> it is cheese it crackers. Um that just that, that is just not true. Like I, I don't care I don't care who says it. I don't care if it's the Pope, if it's Jesus himself. That is just that 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 is that's that's fake news. So I don't care what your political affiliation is. I don't care what event you pointed to that happened in 2022. This was the most shocking revelation of 2022. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, where you stand politically and geopolitics and what event happened, what crazy thing happened. When I read this, I thought I wanted, I really wanted to storm the gates of the cheese at factory, wherever the, wherever cheese at headquarters is. And I wanted to, you know, like, this made me. Yeah, I, I agree. This made me legitimately mad. Like, the, I'm like, why? why? Like, I'm just so, I'm just like, just frustrated by it. Like, I don't even know why it bothers me so much. But like, a cheese it is the singular cheese it, but cheese it, cheese it's is not a word. It's cheese it crackers. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I, I just don't kick it over how ridiculous that sounds. Like, did they really think people are going to call them cheese it crackers and not cheese it's? It was wild. I mean, it, to me, that completely overshadowed the game. Yeah, that's. I don't even care what happened to the game. That's that's the story. <laughs> Speaking of overshadowing the game, how about our guy, your boy, Steve Sarkeesian in the Alamo Bowl? The, I'm sorry, the Valero Alamo Bowl. I guess one of the the stadium workers. They have you know whenever they come out of the, yeah. the teams come out of the tunnel, they got to kind of hold the team back. Sometimes it's a it's a bit of a a job because it's got a lot of people coming. People are hype. People are, you know, getting excited. There's a lot of noise. And he puts his hand on Steve Sarkeesian's chest to try and hold him back. And he's looking the other way. 
And holy cow, Steve Sarkeesian took offense to that. And he's literally screaming in the guy's face, dropping the F word, telling him never to touch him again. I'm glad somebody happened to catch this because this is when I saw that, I I would have bet if if I would have seen that before the game, I'd have bet my entire life savings on Washington. Because if that little thing is going to throw you off, if that little thing is going to like get you out of, you know, your your preparation or you're going to lose the game. And guess what? Washington won the game. So I want to point out Drake C. Toll on Twitter uh, pointed this out. And I want to just echo his tweet here. Um, that, so in, in, this is in the last count, like in, in the year 2022 at Texas, the following things happened from a coaching perspective. So you, we t- you, ha- you have the, uh, the, the Sarkeesian thing that you mentioned from the other night. You have the Chris Beard situation, you know, arrested for domestic violence. And, you know, there's a lot of things to play out there. We'll get into that. And uh, the softball coach, I, I forgot about this until he posted the video, but flipping the birds in Oklahoma during, I think it was during the Big 12 tournament. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, I don't know what's, I don't know what's in, in like the coffee at the, you know, the Texas athletic uh, offices, you know, where all, where all the coaches are sharing their coffee and whatnot. Like, I don't know what's going on, but they're, um, there's some uh, there's there's some issue here. So I mean I don't I don't I don't want to you know make light of it. Like, oh, who's going to be next? But like you're right. Uh, just head on a swivel if you're a Texas official or yeah, like, coach or something. I don't know what's going to go on next. Yeah, I don't I don't I mean I don't I don't want to piss off a Texas coach. Like if I'm a player for any for any program at the University of Texas right now, I you know, straight edge best behavior. You don't want to do anything wrong because um yeah I, I get I don't I don't know what's in the water around there. Well, let's quickly, you know, I know this isn't going to be one we harp on, but I want to go over the the bad boy mowers pinstripe bowl. A uh, couple things. Obviously, we saw the the DJ on one of the bad boy mowers. <laughs> that was a life Perfect, perfect what, college football, like you, like you said. What was, that guy, what was that guy's name? Like DJ? It was like DJ J Jung or something. Yeah. Like, like just some total nobody, dude. Yeah. yeah just, per- just perfect. But. We, we have Syracuse and Minnesota. Syracuse, of course, started out the year 6-0. and They proceeded to lose five in a row. And then they won their last one at Boston College. So they come in losing five of six. And they lose this game to, to Minnesota 28-20. The thing is, is, and I was watching this game, they were dominating the game. and But every time <laughs> I looked up, Minnesota was scoring. And so just quick, just quick look at these stats, KSD. First downs. 27 to Syracuse, Minnesota 14. Total yards, 477 Syracuse, 215 Minnesota. There's only one interception thrown. So it wasn't like they're just sitting there fumbling the ball with interception every other down. It just, they out, you know, out uh, possessed them 34 minutes to 25 minutes. You know, obviously some change there. Penalties, okay, six penalties for 42 yards. Minnesota had two for 20, but it was a classic Syracuse thing to completely dominate the game, and yet they barely made it within a score. They were down two scores yeah. most of the game. I, I don't know how they do it. Yes, yeah, so I want to point out a couple things that happened on Syracuse's last drive, uh, uh, last offensive drive of the game here. Uh, and um, this is this is when they score to cut it to eight. They they don't get the onside kick. the The game you know pretty much ends from from there. Now, on so on this drive, there there was a play. I believe it was it was a, a I don't remember what down it was. Doesn't really matter. Syracuse is around the thirty-ish yard line, and 
there's a, there's a fumble on the play. Minnesota returns it for a decent return. It gets called back. That, that, that's like that's the short version of what happens here. Um, and West West Durham uh, was calling the game for ESPN with uh, with Roddy Jones. And West, West Durham is a treasure. I I will always be a West Durham fan. And and um, you know, and, and him and Roddy kind of been yucking it up for you know for the whole game. And so as this as this this you know, this, this unfolds, the fumble happens. Minnesota's celebrating. You, know, you hear the ref come come over again. The previous play is under further review, and West Durham goes, "Oh boy!" As, as in a like, like kind of like a, "Why are we doing this?" kind of way. You know, the funny thing about it too is like the dude was clearly down. I think it was Garrett Schrader, if I recall, like was clearly down. Like that, like the review was going to actually matter, and you know, in, in the outcome of the game, it was like, "Oh boy!" Like an exasperated, "Oh boy!" <laughs> when they announced that the play was under review. So fast forward, like I think literally like four plays later, it's fourth and goal. From um from the Minnesota eight, <laughs> Syracuse runs this stupid pass play, which is like the longest developing play of all time. Like Schrader just drops back, kind of looks around. There's nothing there. He kind of jumps out of the pocket to the left. There's still nothing there. He's just kind of standing still, kind of meanders over to the right. Still nothing there. He's like, all right, screw it. <laughs> I'm running and runs into the end zone. This I swear this play took like thirty seconds of game time. Like I, that might be an exaggeration. Like it was the longest running play ever, and it was a play, a play they had to have to keep the game alive, basically. And, and they scored a touchdown. It was just very, very classic Garrett Schrader. Like he was in classic Garrett Schrader mode of just like, I'm just gonna do some weird stuff, and some of it's gonna work, and some of it's not. At the end of that game, which um, you know came came up a little bit short because he couldn't control the onside kick, but uh, but it was very very fun finish nonetheless. Yeah, they, I don't. I would have suggested a Philly special, but what do I know? It probably wouldn't have worked. <laughs> that's, that's the lesson of if you learn if you learned nothing this week in college football, there's there's two things you should know. Don't play in baseball stadiums and stop running the damn Philly special. You know, I don't know how much money I don't know if we can place wagers on this, but a Philly special is gonna be run to perfection in the national championship game. You and I should bet on that right now because oh, we're it's, sitting it's here gonna, dogging that's gonna be chasing you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like and, and it's, it's gonna be hilarious too because you know everybody's gonna talk about Kirby and Georgia and all Georgia's defense, you know, great elite defense and you, know, you can't fool them and nothing, you know, like that they're just perfect, you know, fine-tuned machine. And, and, and TCU this, I, this is why I love this matchup by the way because you do have the, you know, just the we are we're just going to run up the middle. You know, we know exactly what we're doing. Everything is very, you know, regimented, executed to perfection. Georgia team just as a whole, the entire you know, three phases of the game. And the TCU is out here with us. Ah, I don't know. We'll, we'll wing it. We'll, you know, we'll toss it around a little bit. Well, you know, you're going to Max Duggan probably is going to lose a couple limbs. That's fine. You know, I don't know. It'll all, it'll all work out. We'll, we'll, it'll be a one score game at the end. And we'll see what happens. Like, that, that contrast in styles is going to be amazing because you can already just see Kirby Kirby's frustration on the sidelines after TCU runs some stupid reverse flea flicker double pass that hits three dudes in the helmet and scores a touchdown. Like, because I mean, it's almost like playing Bo Nix again, except for the entire team is Bo Nix instead right. of just one dude. Exactly. So it's, it's going to be beautiful, and I and I can't wait for that. Well, let's turn the page, I guess, to Friday. Got. Two or three games I want to mention. Uh, obviously, <laughs> but I, there's one. So I want to. I, I don't even want to mention this one thing uh, with the Capital One Orange Bowl between, of course, the Orange teams, Tennessee and Clemson. Tennessee completely uh, slaughtering the Tigers, 31-14. 
and it probably wasn't even that close. Here is maybe the stat of the, the bowl season. I'm not sure. KSD. Clemson ran 100 plays. 100 plays, and you only muster 14 points. Yeah, did, I don't have the stat. I don't have, like, the box tour up. But, like, I, I recall seeing they had, like, 30 first downs. In yeah, only oh, yeah. Half, I think like, they had more than that. I think they had – I think they had like 36 in the third quarter or something. It was, it was, uh, I pulled, I pulled it up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was wild. It was a wild game. Um, they, they, they finished with 30, 34 first downs total okay. for the game. for Okay. I must've been 26 in the third quarter, but yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was crazy that they lost by as much as they did. Obviously Cade clubbing had a, a couple of interceptions and the game was, you could see his youth in the game, but so you know we're not yeah. going to harp on that or whatever. But it was just an amazing stat: a hundred plays, and you still only somehow muster fourteen points, and eight of so, those were were pretty late in the game. So Clemson had seven drives in the first half of this game. Um, they, they finished they finished the first half with with three points. All seven of these drives crossed the Tennessee fifty, and they scored three points. Like, like, I mean, yes, like they, they missed, they missed a couple field goals, you know, like they had a couple that the, they ran out of time at the end of the first half, they yeah. had a turnover on down. So like, you know, it's not like they just got to the red zone and, and you know, pissed the ball away, like on some stupid turnover. But I like that, that just seems impossible to do to get a, across midfield on every single drive and only put up one field goal and a half is that that's just ridiculous. Yeah, and Clemson's field goal kicker, I think he has the record for most field goals at, at Clemson, I, I believe. Yeah. Um, it's a perfect segue if we want to quickly go the Tony the Tiger Bowl. Not the Frosted Flakes Sun Bowl. Tony the Tiger. Yeah. The important, important distinction. Important distinction. He wasn't hawking Frosted Flakes, although he was hawking, I guess, a, a, a active, healthy lifestyle, but yet he's still a Frosted <laughs> Flake, the sugary cereal mascot but i digress pittsburgh ucla very entertaining game but we got to talk about the we're just only gonna talk about the last couple minutes of the game because this was amazing i'm gonna set the scene pittsburgh up six they have the ball they're driving they're probably around a 40 uh 45 yard field goal range their kicker is four for four on the day he's tied the sun bowl record for most field goals in a game Fourth down, Pat Narduzzi says, no, no, we're going to run the ball and just bleed the rest of the clock out. Pittsburgh fumbles the ball. UCLA gets it, streaks down the field on their drive. They score a touchdown with, at this point, only 20 seconds left. So, you know, 25, 30 seconds left, something like that. They kick the extra point. They go up one. It's now 35-34. Pittsburgh takes the ball. Get some amazing first downs. Um, their quarterback was Patty, uh, Nick Patty. Yeah, it was like some, it was some backup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the backup to the backup to the backup. Get some amazing first downs. They then kick the game-winning field goal, but here's the kicker. From the exact same spot, they just passed up. <laughs> so they could have gone up nine points and salted the game away. No, they make it interesting. And, and he drills it five for five, like most field goals in a game. It was, it was <laughs> so that's, that's classic. That's the perfect encapsulation of Pat Narduzzi because, like, in his brain, that all makes perfect sense to him. He's like, "Yeah, well, why? There was no reason to kick it there. That's why I didn't." And then, then that, but we had to kick it there at the end. That's why I did. Like, you know, like in, in, in his mind, he's like, I, "I handled that situation perfectly. It's exactly what I should have done." When, like, dude, you give yourself two shots at it instead of one. But you know, whatever. I'm not going to. Pat Narduzzi is the man who 
purposefully was like, like, like they win the ACC in 2021 scoring like 40 points a game and was like, I never, and he was literally like, I never want to do that again. And, right. and decided yeah. to score like 10 points a game. So not going to, not going to try to, uh, to change, to change his brain. Okay. So we got to talk about the, uh, the, the Duke's Mayo bowl now. Um, yeah, I kind of meant to touch on this a little bit with the cheese at bowl, but there is, there is no better example of the, you know, making the, 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 the branding slash you're just making the meaningless bowl game fun than the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Yeah, you know, this and this goes back to this time as the Belk Bowl with the Twitter account. But now, you know, they just lean into the whole like basically just they just become like the meme bowl game. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we're like we are the game for college football Twitter. And like, it's it's perfect. It's great. It's really smart because they get a lot more viewership that way. You know, not not necessarily here to talk about that, but also kind of at the same time. So the what the thing. You know, ever since Duke's Mayo took over the sponsorship of this game, like what, like five years ago, maybe at this point, I don't remember exactly four years ago, something like that. There, um, there immediately was was a call for the Gatorade bath to be the Mayo bath, right? You know, like like yeah. again, we touched on that with the Cheez It Bowl. They they do the Cheez Its now. The Potato Bowl does French fries. Like this has become a thing across the bowl spectrum here. So. You know, in 2020, we we were almost we, we we weren't we were never exclusively or explicitly promised the Mayo bath, but there was a lot of strong hinting that it was going to happen. And instead, it was literally just white food coloring in the Gatorade thing. Like it was basically a white mm-hmm. like white Gatorade bath on um on wow, I could I'm totally totally blank. I can see I can see his face. Paul Christ, Wisconsin. I was like, I can see his face. Mm-hmm. I know he's not the coach anymore. Whatever. <laughs> So we were promised. You know, there was some strong hinting, but Duke's Mayo didn't deliver. Of course, college football Twitter is outraged. There is an, an uproar. Um, you know, pitchforks were being were being lit and marched towards the uh, the Duke's Mayo Bowl offices in Charlotte, to which they they said, "All right, we're going to make the Mayo dump happen." To last year, twenty twenty one, Shane Beamer inaugural Mayo dump as South Carolina wins the Mayo Bowl. So this is so this year is year two of the Mayo dump. In 2022, and you know that we had confirmation from you know, the Duke's Mayo Bowl people that both Mike Loxley and Dave Doran were in. You know, whichever team won the game, they were good. They were in for the Mayo Dump. It was going to happen. Now, Maryland wins this game. Was it 16 to 12, something like that? Mm-hmm. Or is not important. Maryland wins this game, and Mike Loxley pretty much immediately puts on one of those big hat things. That's kind of now all the rage in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. Um, this needs to be outlawed immediately because he, <laughs> Mike, Mike Loxley knew what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and so did everybody on college football internet and knew immediately too, because what he's doing here is just trying to shield himself as much as possible from the Mayo actually getting dumped on him, especially, you know, in the head, face, and neck area. <laughs> um, so Duke's like we have a problem here. The coach, the coaches have found a loophole. This cannot stand. This will not stand. It's not as much of a of a you know flaming pitchfork matter as the the fake Mayo dump was, but this is something we need to rectify for next year to Duke's Mayo. Well, I know you're listening because I know you're on college football Twitter. So I'm just putting it out there now, you know, give you, give you a chance to, to write the wrongs here. We have to ban the big hat. So a couple things. I like that. They waited till he removed the hat and they had some extra left that they dumped on his head. <laughs> yes, they, they, they did. They did. So salvage, yeah, salvage it a little bit, but here's the, th- here's a funny exchange. So someone said, um, 
they showed a picture of him with with the big hat on and he's heading to the stadium or, or to the to the chair right and yeah. Nicole Auerbach's just tweets with the picture. No, right? yeah, yeah. yeah say, like everybody, everybody, like you, you see him like come out of the handshake with Doran and put the hat on, and everybody right. knew immediately. Like, like there was never like a oh how that's how that's cool. Look at look at Coach Loxley being silly, wearing a big hat. You know, like it's like nope, nope, this nope, nope. Like the 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 Mayo radars were going off. Everybody knew what this was. Like nope, nope, can't can't do it. This boo boo. Like everybody immediately was just all over like oh my god he's gonna ruin it so, yes yeah, i can't and forgive me i can't remember the uh the tweet that replied to her her saying no right and they said imagine telling a non-college showing a non-college football <laughs> fan this tweet and giving them a thousand years do they ever come up with the reason she's upset? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, like yeah, because I mean, literally, it's just a screen cap of him standing on the field in the hat. Like he's not talking to anybody. He's not doing anything. There is no sign. There is no sign that Mayo is about to be dumped on said hat. Like, that, like yeah, if, if you just showed a random person and said, "All right, explain, explain why this is a problem," right? Like, exp- explain, explain <laughs> what the issue is here. Yeah, I mean, I. You would you would die before they get to the answer. It's crazy. It's crazy. One one final note. This is gonna obviously the the Mayo bath is by far the best part of this game, but I do want to note one quick thing. So obviously Devin Leary, uh, the NC State quarterback, has moved on. He's transfer portaled over to Kentucky, and then MJ Morris injured toward the end of the year, and then now they're on their third string Ben Finley. Who did play some this year? And I think he I think he led the Wolfpack to a win over rival UNC. Speaking of bad UNC losses, I, I think he uh did that earlier. So yep. last yep. last drive of the game, NC State down 16 to 12, gets the ball back. And Brock Osweiler is the the color guy and announcing. And he says, <laughs> he says, Ben Finley, you know, led them to the win over UNC. He was built for this moment. The words are hanging in the air. They're not even <laughs> fully out when he throws a terrible game-ending interception. It was like the, the announcer's jinx 101. I mean, it was unbelievable. He's like, Ben Finley's built for this moment. Interception, game over. Okay, Mayo Bath, let's go. I don't know how I didn't realize this, but like that, this game was how I discovered that Brock Osweiler was doing color commentary for ESPN, and I was like – Man, like, what, like, five years ago when he got that stupid contract from the Texans for, like, $80 million or right. something, and now he's he's already entirely out of the NFL? Like, I, I somehow just missed that entirely this season until until the Mayo Bowl the other day. Same with me. I didn't really realize it either. And you're right. He was – I think he they paid him, like, a trillion dollars. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay, so we, we, did, we made it to, to, to New Year's Eve now, mm-hmm. just going through the schedule. Let's talk about the most important college football game that happened yesterday. Of course, referring to the Transperfect Music City Bowl. Um, <laughs> this was th- this was the game I had circled on bowl season the entire the entire uh, stretch here because it's basically you know it's I first of all it's Iowa's offense against Kentucky's shell of their offense, which was not that far off from Iowa's to begin with. Mm-hmm. You know now that Will Levis didn't play and Chris Rodriguez didn't play, and you know, they had a lot of injuries and opt outs and whatnot, so they, you know they're basically playing you know glorified practice. 
this game did hit the under the the, the lowest over under like of a college football game like ever that it was like 30 mm-hmm. which I, there, there was concern at one point that Iowa was going to hit the over by themselves since they scored 21 points but i do need them to uh, to to make the important score breakdown here of the final score of this game should read Iowa's defense 14 Iowa's offense 7 Kentucky 0 because that's what happened they had two uh, two pick sixes Iowa did they scored twice as many defensive points as offensive points which I perfectly, perfectly, uh, perfectly on brand for um for Iowa, Iowa this year. Iowa this year, I, I and it's this is it's either this or it's reverse this. I can't remember. Either way, it's not good. Seven passing touchdowns on the year, six defensive touchdowns on the year. Not <laughs> not something you're going to write home about. How about this? Iowa wins twenty-one to nothing. O for 11 on third down, O for two on fourth down. So if they didn't convert on first and second, they were punting, which obviously their punter is their, always their MVP. But I was with you. I thought, oh, my God, 21 points. They, of course, they the teams can muster up 10 points between them in the second half for the over to hit. But nope, unders had it all the way. Just a complete, hilarious, but perfectly apropos game between – Iowa and and Shell Kentucky. So so Cooper DeGene for Iowa, uh, the defensive back had had a pick six yesterday. Um, that was his third pick six of the season, and that would put him number two on the team in touchdown receptions <laughs> for for Iowa behind behind tight end Luke, Luke Lackey. So um so yeah, just just to, just to kind of go back to the idea of the, the defensive touchdowns and the passing touchdowns thing, yeah. Uh, a defensive back is uh, a second on the team in touchdown finished second on the team in touchdown receptions this year. Unbelievable. Well, I think we've gotten to the, I mean, we could talk about Alabama beating Kansas state. That's not really anything to write. Home about. That game was over early and often. Yeah. Kansas State did do the, just the one thing I want to say. They did do the classic underdog in a bowl game type situation, like this thing where they jumped out to an early lead and it's like, oh, hell yeah, we, we're, we're going to do it. It's here. It's happening. And it just immediately was like, no. They, they were down, what, like 20 points at halftime or something already. Like it was just, it was oh, like they jumped out of that 10 nothing lead and it was like, oh my God. And then it just immediately, no. So that's it. That, that's all that happened. That's all you yeah, know. Yeah. That was, that was a, it was a bloodbath. But, Two of the probably, I mean, I think without question, the best college football, at least semifinal games of all time, between like definitely the definitely the best overall like semifinal day, yes, for sure, easily. Like you could th- you could throw that Georgia Oklahoma game kind of in the mix with these two as you know, the, yep, in, in, the, in the conversation of the greatest games, but this was definitely the best combination of two games. Yeah, and it was just. So action-packed, we probably, in all honesty, could do an entire pod if we wanted to break down even the funny stuff, even the crazy, yeah. wacky stuff. We could <laughs> yeah. probably do an entire was, pod on just these two games. There was a lot of things that happened. Yeah, so, I yeah. mean, I, I don't, I really don't even know where to start. Obviously, the, you, if you're a, even a semblance of a college football fan, you know TCU comes in, I, what were they, seven-point underdogs, seven-and-a-half, something like that? Yeah, they went out like right. That. 51 to 45, so many points scored, including 44 points in the third quarter. <laughs> Neither team could stop a nosebleed, but I was, I was actually at uh, just, just to, to talk about the, the, the third quarter. I was actually at dinner before before going out for New Year's Eve um, during the third quarter of this game. And I was, but I, but I was, I, I, it was a place that had the, the game on the TV. I was able to basically see what was going on. But like, I swear, 
like you know i would like be a be, be talking to somebody i'd look up at the tv and every time i looked up somebody was scoring a touchdown <laughs> like literally every time i was like what the hell like i was like all right like, and, and like the, the, the and it was with the group of people were like the table is you know interested enough in what's going on but all right well tcu just scores so the, the, you know now they're up what like 18 or something yeah mm-hmm. probably get close to over oh shit michigan just scored oh tcu scored again back to over oh michigan scored oh you know, like it was it was just it was such a weird feeling of like like that that way of consuming the game was just was just almost kind of underscored how just crazy that, that that sequence of events was in the third quarter yeah i mean it started out you know i thought it was the first play of the game michigan rips off like a 70 yard run yeah and he doesn't score. They Evers doesn't score. They stop him. They get the ball to the like half inch yard line, and of course they pull out the Philly special. Why not? You've already the aforementioned <laughs> Philly special, and they so they don't score. TCU goes up fourteen to nothing in the first quarter, in a time where Michigan had the ball at the inch yard line twice, and turned it over on downs one time, and then fumbled it on another, which. I, if we talk about it, I think that was a bad call. It looked to me like it was yeah. a bad call. It looked like they were oh, – yeah. he was in by the time he – you know, the, the wide receiver was in by the time he actually controlled the ball. And I guess Sean McDonough pointed out later, I don't know if you saw this, that they had misspotted the ball by two yards. They had put it on the wrong yeah. 49. So, he, I mean, who knows if it would have been the same. I mean, you know, right, I, I right. think it happened. But so, obviously, there was that. I mean, this, this – I mean, this game as a whole was, you know, like the Kent Murphy baseball, like Twitter account. Like, this was the Kent Murphy game, like mm-hmm. dingers only, you know, both sides. Like every, like there was no like, oh, here's a touchdown from a half yard out or a 10 play drive where, you know, just plot down the field. Like, no, it was just like bomb. Like even the short touchdowns were a result of bombs, like as you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, things started going off the rails. Obviously, the team started scoring at will. J.J. McCarthy's girlfriend gets... Of course, the JJ McCarthy's the, dad, the Musburger gets, cam, right? The Musburger cam was on JJ McCarthy's JJ McCarthy's dad gets a little, <laughs> little touchy feely. So there was a people brought that up immediately. So they're like, "Oh, JJ McCarthy's <laughs> girlfriend, uh, she's hot." Blah blah blah. Okay, whatever. That happens. Yes, a lot. Yesterday was just a terrible day to be JJ McCarthy. Just, just generally, <laughs> honestly, like so, lose the football game. Everybody's talking. Everybody's talking about your girlfriend, and then yeah, go go ahead. No, I know where you're going with this. So then people no, start noticing. So JJ McCarthy's girlfriend. Okay, she's good looking. That's well established. She's jumping around and excited because Michigan's coming back. And it does seem like, so his dad is standing beside her. It does seem like (laughs) in the excitement that he gets a little touchy-feely, plays a little bit of a game of grab ass. And so that's noticed immediately. Of course, this is Twitter. Nothing is going to go unnoticed. But I actually looked at the the film again, and it looks like there's another hand from another guy that gets in there and does a little, you know. Not, 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 I, not saying this to, to say that I'm condoning the behavior of these gentlemen here, um, if you can even call them gentlemen. But um, there was definitely some um, some seizing of the opportunity going on from 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 those fellas. Um, again, not condoning it, just just pointing out what 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 they are what they were thinking at that point. If we give them the extreme, and I mean extreme, benefit of the doubt, it was accidental. Okay. There could be a case for incidental contacts, but um, yes. illegal but yeah, touching, def- as it were. Definitely, uh, some, definitely some illegal touching going on. 
But someone said, man, when J.J. McCarthy's mom logs on to Twitter, watch out. <laughs> can, can, we, can we talk about a, another Michigan fan thing? We talk about the guy with the, with the Dahmer went to Ohio State shirt. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and, and ESPN, like, kept going back to – like, this guy made it on ESPN, like, multiple times. Like, he was in, like, the front row, too, just wearing a shirt that just said Dahmer went to Ohio State, um, which, I mean – yeah, but like also, it's kind of funny because like the Unabomber went to Michigan, so right. like you know, like like it's not like you know Michigan's cleaning all this, you know. If, if if we're gonna if we're gonna play that kind of arms race here, you know, but uh, but yeah, that guy got some good airtime as well. Also, there was the Michigan fan lady. Like this is after TCU goes up fourteen to nothing, who like turns to her husband and says like, "Wow, maybe they are like actually good or something." Like you see, you see her say that on ESPN. It's like it was like awesome. that. that per- but that, that permanently summed up like the Michigan fan attitude going into this game. Cause like, I mean, they obviously thought they were just going, they were going to, you know, walk in. It was going to be fairly easy. You know, it wasn't going to take a whole lot of effort and, and they were going to have a chance to play either Georgia or Ohio state. So yeah, pretty, uh, pretty massive blown opportunity there for Michigan. Yeah. I thought TC would play him tough and I definitely gave TC a too. fighting chance. I did not think it was going to be some blowout and I've, Now, I will say this. If Michigan just plays, you know, normally not shooting themselves in the foot, then they win the game. I still don't think they blow them out, but they should have won the game. But, see, that's just what TCU does to you. They just make the game weird. Like, I I figured going into this, just like, if we're going to talk some some X's and O's here, which is a playoff, sure, why not? I figured that Michigan would, you know, jump out to an early, you know, 10 point, 14 point mm-hmm. kind of lead, maintain that for most of the first three quarters. And then the TCU weirdness would kick in and they would, you know, get get it down to a one score game, maybe get an onside kick, maybe not need it and just, you know, have a chance to tie or win at the end kind of thing and fall just short. That was that was like what just sounded like the perfect, you know, ideal game script for this in my head. And it pretty much was the exact opposite of that. Like your yeah. TCU TCU used the weirdness early. They 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 kicked the weirdness off like from the very first mm-hmm. play and used it to their advantage and just didn't turn down the weird meter. But which is which is exactly why I, I'm telling you, I cannot wait to see Georgia face this because they haven't <laughs> like I mean they, they you you could they face some teams this year who who, who kind of who have the capability for for the mm-hmm. weirdness like like a South Carolina but you know they caught South Carolina early in the year before they realized they were good mm-hmm. you know they, they, like a Tennessee you know but they haven't they they haven't caught uh, haven't played a team who is this good and also this weird like yes Tennessee yeah. fans I hear you but like this is this is this is a di- this is a different animal of channeling the weirdness so I'm just super. Super intrigued to see what this looks like when when things. I mean, and, and Georgia was down most of the game last night, but but it wasn't in a it wasn't in a weird kind of fashion. Like Ohio State was just kind of carving them up for the first mm-hmm. half. Like TCU is not going to carve them up. TCU is going to again, like I said earlier, do the double reverse flea flicker that bounces off two helmets and scores for an ADR touch. Like right. it's going to be like the Chad Kelly game in Alabama. That, that that's that's what TCU okay. is. That that's what this is going to look like. That Chad in, Kelly in, in the game. national champion. It, yeah, just imagine if that was a national championship game. Exactly. That Chad Kelly, I'll let them remain anonymous, but that Chad Kelly game holds us a sore spot in, in certain people in the Pipeline family's heart because they <laughs> lost a ton of money on that game when they bet Bam alive. But anyway, I won't harp on that because I know he is listening. But, but yeah, let's go to the Georgia-Ohio State game. And I, it was insane, you know, I, I – 
it really was. It kind of reminded me a little bit. I know we're, you know, same stadium or, or like this, where this, they play, but it reminded me a little bit of when the, uh, the Super Bowl where the Patriots were up or down 28 to three and they oh. came back and every single thing that absolutely had to happen happened. And that's, you know, well, whether it was Brock Bowers, like miraculously staying off the ground and getting yeah, the first down yeah. or the timeout at the last second when a fake punt would have worked. And it just, it was, it was an amazing game. I mean, I, if you're a Ohio state fan, I mean, I know it, but let's talk about that dynamic too, because you had yeah. Ohio state fans, you know, dancing on the grave of Michigan, <laughs> Michigan repaying the favor. I mean, either one of those scenarios probably made the other rival sick, but I, I will say this. I know we're, we're not really, like you said, we're not really X and O, but Ryan day playing for like an insanely long field goal when his kicker doesn't have that leg. I just don't, I never understand yeah. when coaches do that. Like why not pick up some more yards? You've carved them up. All I mean, get, make it, it was, a 20 yard field goal. It, it, yeah. It was a little bit of a tough situation sort of timeout wise for them too. But, um, but yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Like, especially like, there's really not a single kicker I would ever trust in college to like, like in the NFL, you see it all the time where teams down by, you know, one, two or three points, like, all right, we just got to get to a 50 yard field goal. We're going to win the game. You know what I mean? Right. Like that, yeah. they, that happens every Sunday in the NFL. And, and like, I, there's not a single kicker in the history of college football where I would be like, I feel confident about that. Like, and, and I'm not, you know, not trying to dunk on middle ruggles or anything like that, but like, you know, like it, as a coach, you can't you can't feel confident with a forty-five plus yard to win to win a game in college. Like, do kickers hit them? Yeah, absolutely. But like, yeah. I, I just wouldn't. There's no situation where I'd feel good about it. Exactly, I agree. So, and like you said, we're not we're not dunking on him. You said in the history of college football, and I would agree totally with you. There'd be no kicker where I'd say, yeah, I'd bet a significant chunk on him hitting this, yeah. you know, fifty yarder. With Especially a, with that kind of pressure. With that kind of pressure, yeah. This isn't like some game in September against, you know, a lowly conference rival. This is for to go to all the marbles. But I do want to do want to mention one thing because I don't know if you caught this KSD. We know our guy, our beloved Jersey Shore Stetson Bennett. Was Stetson Fleming Bennett the fourth? I found out that was his real <laughs> name. Stetson Bennett or Stetson Fleming Bennett the fourth. Obviously, he's not Jersey Shore Stetson Ben anymore. He let the, the Afro grow back in, but played a you know pretty good game, especially down the stretch. He obviously, was hitting some big plays. Did you see Kirby Smart's interview after the game? Where I he, did not. <laughs> so, so they ask him about hey, how how was how was Stetson Bennett? You know, like he led you back, blah blah blah. Kirby, for whatever reason, takes this time to completely roast Stetson, and he's like. Well, he needs to play within our system. He needs to stop doing things like he just like trashes. He, he, he needs to sell you a brand new Kia today. Exactly. But he, he took that time. Like you can give the, the normal platitudinous answer where, okay, whatever. Oh, yeah, he's a good, he's a competitor, blah, blah, blah. He said, no, he needs to play within our system and we won't be behind and he won't keep making these mistakes and like essentially calling him a system quarterback. It was so funny I, I, I don't, and unnecessary. I mean, I, I don't like I don't feel bad about making jokes about Stetson Bennett. Number one, because he is actually older than I am. Um, <laughs> as, as I mentioned before, I graduated college a couple of years, um, I guess about a year and a half ago. Uh, Stetson Bennett is, is older than I am, still playing college football. Uh, but also, like, 
the one thing I like, and this is generally true across all college football, but it's especially true when it comes to Stetson Bennett. All the jokes about Stetson Bennett are like 100% true about how, like, you know, like this this is the guy to, you know, to, to start the Georgia dynasty. Like, yeah, and yes, he's like, obviously they're not winning because of him. They're winning, you know, he, he's part of their winning, but, you know, he's got, he's basically throwing to an NFL, you know, roster of tight ends. Like, I mean, I think it was Andy Staples made the point yesterday. He's like, is there a single NFL team with a better tight end room than Georgia? Like, I mean, I, I like, seriously, like, like I, I don't, you, you can make that case. So, you know, all those things aside, but, um, I mean, the Stetson Bennett jokes were flying last night as, as they should have been. Um, and, but like, I, I, it, it is, it is amazing. I will give him credit that in this run that Georgia's had the last couple of years, there hasn't been like a major Stetson Bennett mistake. You know, like there's not like the one like, oh, you point like you know, he was doing everything right. You know, he, he wasn't necessarily winning the game for you, but he wasn't losing it. And then he did that. You know, there's no, th- that moment doesn't exist. And I don't know, again, TCU's weirdness might bring it out. Who knows? And I, but like, he's got only one more game to really to, to do that. So like, it's I mean, for all you know, for all the dunking on him that that happens, there is at least that aspect of it where he does pretty much do what he needs to do. Yeah, I I agree totally. I think people always you know they make fun of his age. They make you make fun of he's like the mailman. He was a walk on blah blah blah. <laughs> and they're always you're always waiting for that. Gonna you know, be, chucklehead player. <laughs> exactly. Car, exactly. Uh, but I think most fans are always kind of waiting for that, you know, chucklehead play that, that he blows a game. Or, oh, okay, that's the guy who's a walk. And he just doesn't make it. And, I mean, hats off to him. The guy, he's like, that's the American dream, right? I mean, if he would, if he could have <laughs> somehow parlayed this into an NFL and then gone on to, like, be like Tom Brady or something, obviously yeah. that's not going to happen. But no. I mean, you he's, know, go, he's going from basically a walk-on to winning a national championship to possibly winning two national championships—just an incredible story. I mean, I, look, you're right; he deserves all the jokes. We're gonna we're gonna joke about him. That's just the way it is. We don't mean anything by it. We're not. It's not mean spirited or anything. It's we love college yeah. football. And we love making these type of jokes. But you know, definitely hats off to Stetson. It, it's really uh, amazing to watch. Well, he, he's the he's the epitome of um, like getting getting the most out of what he's got. You know, like and you, you see this happen in college sports a lot. You know, where there's, I mean, in both college football and basketball, you, you have guys who are, you know, they're not going to be the NFL stars, but they're damn good college players. And like like that's a bit it fits the mold of he is getting the most out of the ability that he has. Like you know, like you you yeah. cannot say he, he's wasted any of his ability because he. He, he makes the most out of every a bit of ability he has, which obviously isn't quite to the level of, you know, say like a Bryce Young or, you know, uh, the fill in the blank with any quarterback this year. Here, right. you know, like, uh, of the major yeah. you know, guys like that. But I mean, that's a bit, it gets the most out of what he's got. I mean, that's pretty much all you can say about him as a player. Yeah. Agree. Totally. Can't let this game go without talking about <laughs> course. Friend of the program, Jim Weber brings it up. The explanation yeah, break, behind some, the some shirtless breaking, breaking news, breaking news from our from our boy Jim Weber. That's right. So he gets the background story of the shirtless Georgia <laughs> fan who was caught just front row, completely shirtless. It's it a guy named Chris Witt, and he's he replied. I think I guess it's on a message board or something. It looks like Facebook or something. 
So the he says the backstory for this photo is that I usually change shirts for good luck when uh, Georgia is losing, but I only had one shirt yesterday, so I had to go all out. I did the same thing five years ago at the Rose Bowl. I just wasn't on the front row at that time. Ha ha, go dogs. So <laughs> Jim says, notice that Georgia won both those games. Yeah, and he did this. Coincidence, I think not. So <laughs> now you have the well, backstory of why there was a, a a grown man shirtless probably barking during a game. Yeah. That's kind of funny. My 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 mom is very much like in, in the in the vein of this guy when watching our our alma mater play uh sports. Like she's she her big thing, it's not about the shirts, hers is you gotta switch seats. Oh like yeah, whether we're absolutely at, whether we're at the at the game or and how like a good example of this. I I um I, I, I'm not kidding. Over over Christmas, there was a family gathering. Uh, you know, at the grandparents' house, a bunch of cousins, everybody, and and watching watching the game. Um, and um, and, and we're the all waters down bad. You know, tough first half, down at halftime. Middle of the second half, mom makes everybody switch seats. Come back, win the game. Like I'm not saying, I'm not, not saying that's the reason. Just saying, you know, it doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily hurt, but yeah, that 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 is my mother. So I've I've lived I've lived this guy's this guy's life of the, the superstition like that. It's but in my family, it was always the, the the switching seats instead of the shirts. I have an all time superstition story. I'm gonna save that for another day because this one is an all timer. But okay, I think we're gonna probably put a bow on it there. We're gonna also be uh, like I said, we are going to have a lot of pl- a lot of big plans for 2023. We've turned the calendar page we have some really big plans and going to bring you guys some great content if you haven't subscribed to our podcast please do leave us a five-star review tell your friends family lovers whoever just tell everyone we want to grow this thing as big as we possibly can and remember to follow us on twitter i'm at pipeline underscore ksd's at pregame empire i think they'll do it we'll see you guys next time on the pipeline award-winning podcast